Thank you. Thank you for your encouragement, Stephen. Someone once encouraged me. Uh, they said they didn't mean it this way, but they said to me, Roger, you may only have a one-star gifting, but you use it to the full. And I've always remembered that. They said that actually didn't mean it that way, but, you know, it's funnier for me to take it that way around than, than not. Cool. Uh, Susie prayed, said that God had prepared a feast for us this morning. Yes, is that, do you believe that? Yes, I, I, God has prepared a feast. I'm a little boy with uh, five loaves and two fish. So I offer it to him, Lord, here I am. Here's what I've prepared. I pray that you'd feed each person here, that they would take away what they need from this morning. And there'd be baskets left over. I am going to be talking about that story, actually. That's why it's on my mind. But it's, it's a time, September is a time of new beginnings. Connie's back with us. Hooray! New beginnings. Hopefully we'll be going out in the street, worshipping again. We've been doing it a little bit in front of Great St. Mary's, but hopefully now we'll be doing it every Saturday. So please join with us if you'd like to. It's, it's really good. But it's a time when children are going back to school. And for some of us now, school is a long time ago, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you remember those times, you know, when you went, particularly when you went from one school to another, when you went from being quite a big fish in a little pool to a big pool and you're a little fish. You know, and kind of you felt like a little fish and you didn't know what was going on, all those kind of things. Um, it was quite funny. Beth and our daughter, every time she made the next step, she got, got a bit, she got the stroppiness to go with the step. You know, she'd come home from like the first day at junior school saying, well, she's not going to go to bed at this time anymore because she's not a little girl. You know, so it's kind of like there's a, there's a thing that changes in there and we, we move up from step to step. But what, what I want to think about today is this whole thing about being a little fish in a big pool. I don't know if you've come across that saying before, little fish in a big pool. Um, it, it basically means that you feel very small compared to the other fish that are swimming around you of insignificance and of not much value. And I think we can all feel like that at times, um, particularly uh, because we have an enemy who wants us to feel like that. And uh, Connie was praying and taking authority over the lies of the enemy and the things that, that, that um, hem us down, Pull us down, and I want to, in my preach this morning, tackle that. That for, for no longer will we see ourselves as too little, not enough. I haven't got enough. I'm just a little person, little old me, poor old me. And it's interesting when you come to preach. You know, preaching. You, you might think it's easy. You just go and get up and pontificate for a while, and it's good because no one can interrupt you, and you can say what you like. And it's not necessarily that easy. You, you have to prepare, and often God takes you through stuff during the week or the weeks, to prepare you so that it's not just what I'm saying from my pages, because what's on the page really is just on the, what's on the page, but it's what's in my heart that will communicate. So I can have the most beautiful sermon on the page, but if it's not here, I've had it, or you've had it, because we'll just, you know, go through motion. So I'm hoping you'll catch something. But So this week I've been feeling that what I've got isn't very much, and it's too little, and, and, and it's never, and it's, it's, you know, the enemy is just pushing me pushing me down, trying to make me think that, 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 that you know, it's, it's not enough. But I'm going to say now that what I have today is enough for you. <laughs> Take it by faith. And uh, right up front, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about, and I'm going to tell you what I'm saying, so you can think about it as I say it. Okay? So I want to say that, and I, I, perhaps put it this way, in our thinking, we tend to think that in the kingdom, in, there's little people in the kingdom, and there's big people spiritually. Yeah, would you say you thought that big people, you know, the people we see on God Channel or 
you know, standing here apart from me. Um, you know, there's big people. They're big people. They're big in the kingdom. And then there's little people of which I'm one. And no doubt everybody feels that we're one of those little people. You don't have much significance. Don't have much to say. When we say, no one's really going to listen. What, what difference can I make? And, you know, we look at the world of need around us in our families or in our street, in our town, in our country. What, what difference can I make? I can't much, make much difference. I'm just a little person, spiritually, little people. I've been reading this book, or I've started reading it. I bought this book by Francis Schaeffer, who's, um, I suppose he's a theologian philosopher from the 60s, 70s, I, I suppose, maybe 80s. Um, he, people of, who are of my age will have probably read some of his stuff. But he wrote a book called No Little People. Okay, so I saw that book, I saw it in the Oxford Bookshop, I thought, yeah, that's a book I want to read. Took it home, I read the first chapter, and then for some reason I must have lost it or missed it, you know, I forgot about it. And though this week I was kind of rummaging around trying to sort something out in my bedroom, and I found it under the, under the chair, and it was no little people. It, it tied in with what I was saying. So he says, there's no little people, there's no little places. And he says, there's no little people spiritually, and big people spiritually, there's just consecrated people and unconsecrated people. There's just people given to God that he can use or people not. So it's not that you're big or you're little, but you're either given to him or not given to him. And being given to him is the important thing because if you give yourself to him and what you have, he will use you far greater than you can think or imagine. Okay, so that's, that's where I'm going. I want you to not just think, oh, isn't that a lovely sermon because it won't be lovely. Okay, I might make some mistakes, but I want you to catch the heart of what I'm saying, what the, the heart of what God is saying to you, that you're not a little person. You're not just a pew filler. Maggie reminded me, actually, of my preach from a few months ago with the jigsaw pieces, and I had to go back and listen to it and remind myself of what it said. You know, even people who preach forget sometimes what they've preached and have to go back and remind themselves, you know, that... that that, and, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, that we're made in a unique way, that we're not little people, but that as we consecrate ourselves to him, he will use us and feed many people through our lives. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to make a difference with the people around us, we, in our families, in our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our nation. Um, yeah, nation needs it at the moment, doesn't it? I was saying, to, oh no, I won't even go there. Okay, so I'd like to start off looking at the feeding of the 5,000. And it's a familiar story. John 6 it is, the one I'm reading from. It's in a few different places. Um, I put pink slips in every time and still can't find any bits. There we go. I really need, like, all of another table. But there we go. John 6. It's talking about Jesus, obviously going up into the mountain to pray with the disciples, talk with the disciples after the Passover. And then, and then I look at their eyes, lift their eyes, and see a la- large crowd coming towards them, obviously wanting to, to listen to Jesus, know more about Jesus, what's going on. And Jesus said to um, Philip, uh, where are we going to buy bread that, so that these people may eat? How are we going to feed these people? You know, we've got a responsibility for them, not just to feed them spiritually, we need to feed them practically as well. He said this to test him. And it's interesting, that word test, because the word test, you know, we've got negative connotations about tests. He just wanted to find out what he was thinking. 
where he was at. Philip, where are you at? Where, where are you thinking? And Philip's thinking was very natural. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So Jesus, you know, 200 denarii, that's 200 days' work. So you work that out in your, if you work or your wages, it's a lot of money. But just these people to get a little snack, really, not, not even. And then um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? That's the key thing for me. What are they for so many? What are you for so many? What, 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 are, what you've got, what are you for so many? And we get so frustrated looking at the needs around us, don't we, and the people around us. We, there's, there's so much need and we feel so little. And we start to think, I'm not enough. I haven't got enough. Perhaps we've tried really hard and, and just it hasn't worked. We've tried to do the right thing. It hasn't worked. And we're just thinking, I'm no use. I, I'm no use here. I can't, I can't do it. We'll leave it for the talented people, the gifted people, the anointed people, the professional people. I'm no good. It doesn't work for me. But Jesus, in the story, just said, well, get the people to sit down. So we got the people to sit down, and he took the loaves, and having given thanks, it distributed to each one. And it says, um, in the different versions, as much as they wanted, um, and another one says, when they had eaten their fill. And I was just, you know, I've got a funny mind really sometimes. I was thinking, when I was writing yesterday, I was thinking, oh, when we've eaten our fill, we don't want to eat our fill, because he's a... And so I, I almost wrote, in my notes, I wrote fill. P-H-I-L. I thought, oh dear, scrub the house. So don't go for the humour, Roger, or you're going to get into trouble. But anyway, we don't want to eat our fill. But in a spiritual sense, we do want to eat our fill. And, and get plenty, don't we? And God will do the same through us. God will do the same through us. We're like the little boy with a lunch. Five loaves, two fish. I was thinking, well, I say it's his lunch. I, this morning I was thinking... Well, it may not have been his lunch. His mum may have given him five loaves and two fish to eat. But, of course, his mum might have sent him to the shop. He might be coming home with the, you know, the week's shopping and got caught up with the crowd and gone on. So, but anyway, whatever, whether it was a week's shopping or whether it was his lunch, it wasn't enough. You know, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know what kind of fish you think he had, whether they were big fish or little fish. I was thinking I could have brought a, a tin of sardines and opened it for you to try. You know, probably little fish. Or big fish. But it doesn't really matter whatever size fish they were. Unless they were whales, they weren't going to feed, were they? You know, it's no good saying, well, if, we had, if he had had two big fish, a massive load, it's still, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's the same with walking on the water. We say, well, Jesus walked on the water in the middle of the night when the waves are blowing. It's a difficult time to walk on the water. It's always a difficult time to walk on the water. <laughs> Whether it's sunny or not, isn't it, really? I mean, that's a silly thing to say, isn't it, really? And so, you know, it, it's impossible. It's impossible. Either way, whether you're a big fish, little fish, there's that big fish, little fish, cardboard box, that's right. I was trying to think what it was. <laughs> Sorry, guys, if you don't know that one. But God wants us to give what we have to him. And as I say that, you probably think, well, I haven't got anything. I can't think of what I've got. We need to ask God 
what he's given us that he wants us to give back to him that he can use to feed the people around us. Because we, we shouldn't look at, at it in a carnal way. We tend to look at ourselves in a very naturalistic carnal way. We think, well, it's just me. I've got not a lot. I've just got my education and blah, 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 my understanding. We need to look in a spiritual sense. We've been given much spiritually. And we need to ask God to show us what he's given us. But not just what he's given us, what he's made us. Because it, it, it struck me, it's, it's not just what we have, but it's who we are. God has made us in a certain way, put us together in a certain way, so that we can, and as we give ourselves to him, he will meet needs through us. You get what I'm saying, Ari? So don't look at, yeah, because when we look at ourselves in the natural, we tend to see ourselves as too small, not big enough. I can't preach like Mark. I can't play the piano like Phil. I can't play the drums like Will. I can't sing like... You know, that's how, we, that's how we do. Let's find someone who's good at something and then compare ourselves. Seems a bit foolish, doesn't it? Because that's not where I'm at. I'm not supposed to be. Um, I was um, thinking, and God talks to me in kind of funny ways, really, and you might think I'm a bit wacky. So I, I was thinking about this because I've been, in the week, because I was going through, so I was living this stuff, right? And, it's, you know, I was facing some issues. And I was thinking, I was looking, some friends of mine have written a book, recently, and so they're really going well, and I'm looking at them, and I'm looking at something else on Facebook, and I was feeling really kind of, really kind of intimidated, I suppose, thinking, well, I'm not like them, I'm not like them, and then my preach, I've got nothing much to say, you know, and I went out, and it was interesting, this, this, these friends of mine who written the book, they, they'd contact me in the week, so we'd like you to send you the book, and that's fine, I said, I'd like to give you some money towards your costs, so um, I had a, a bank account with some money in that I gave to them, um, cleared the account out, and then I, you know, start again, as it were. Um, but as I went out, was sort of feeling this, went out to pray, I realized that I'd actually given them £57, okay? Now, 57, does that mean anything to anybody? The number 57? Heinz beans, that's exactly it. <laughs> and what is it? It's varieties, 57 varieties, yeah, there's 57 varieties. Well, there's, not, there's a lot more, really. But what it said to me was, there's a whole variety of different people. You don't have to be like them. You don't like have to be like them. Be like yourself. Don't try and be like someone else. Don't try and be like this person who's good at that. Receive from them. Learn from them. But be yourself. So 57. I was wondering whether you'd try and get the numer- you know, the because uh, there's the numerology isn't in the Bible, you know, seven for the perfect number. No, I don't know, even know what it is, but you know, I should be trying to work out. But 57 varieties. So we're all one of the varieties. Varieties are spice of life. That's right. Um, you're right. Some of us don't like spice, but that's fine. <laughs> so 57 varieties. But obviously in the kingdom. Well, even in this room, there's more than 57 varieties of people, isn't there? And we have to be who God has made us to be. Remember I talked about the jigsaw and saying we, we're a jigsaw piece and we said we don't like the lumps, so we cut off the little bumps and we cut off the holes and we end up with a nice square piece. But actually it doesn't fit anymore, does it? And so we have to be the person God has made us to be, not trying to be like someone else. Um, so, yeah, there we go. So I would like to just look at somebody who really didn't have anything, okay, and, and try and draw some comparisons. I'd like to look at the story of Joseph. Um, in your Bibles, it's in Genesis. I'm just going to pick out, I just want to pick out some bits and bobs from there. 
But if you remember Joseph, he started off having it all. Didn't he? He was the, the, the most loved son. He had a special robe to wear. Had a musical written about him. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he had it all. His, and his brothers hated him. He'd had dreams, you know, that God was going to use him and he was going to lord it over his family. He, he was the bee's knees. Um, but partly because of his unwise sharing of what God had given him, um, he ended up being sold as a slave and ended up in Egypt with Potiphar. Yeah, this guy Potiphar. He absolutely had not, as a slave, he had nothing. Did he? he had absolutely nothing. But he didn't kind of give up and sit on his butt and say, poor me, poor me. I would just want to look at some of the things he did. And it's in, so I'm starting off in Genesis 39 and verse 2. So this is, or verse 1 says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, and an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. This is a slave. Okay, this is a slave. The Lord was with him, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So Joseph found favor in in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was in all that he had in house and field. This is amazing. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. I bet some of us would like slaves like that in our house, wouldn't we? All we had to do was think, oh, what's this on my house? Chicken. Very nice. And someone was taking care of everything else. But that's amazing, isn't it? He had nothing. But God was with him. And God's favor was upon him. And God blessed him and made him successful. And the, and the, the Potiphar recognized it and promoted him. And he became in charge of Potiphar's house such that uh, Potiphar didn't have to think about anything. It was all in Joseph's charge. This is a guy who in the natural had nothing. Yeah? See where I'm going? See what I'm doing here? So, he served. But if you, as you, if you know the story, in doing right, he got himself into trouble because he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, Potiphar, whatever her name was, Mrs. Potiphar, who would like to have relations with him. But he knew it was wrong, and he said, no, because of my master and all these things. He wouldn't submit. So eventually, he was uh, falsely accused, thrown into prison through doing right. I think sometimes we all feel like that, don't we? We've, Lord, we've been doing our best. We've been doing what's right. And it's gone from bad to worse. Lord, you're supposed to be blessing me. You're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be coming the head and not the tail, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's gone from bad to worse. But let's have a look at this in verse... Um, Sorry, 21, I think it is. It says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. 
the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So this is a man who's come to Egypt with nothing. He's been made a slave. God's favor, God's blessing. He's been promoted. He's kept doing what's right. He's gone down into prison. Uh, God's given him favor and blessing again. He's served again. And he's been put in charge again. And there's a recurring theme. Here isn't there. And then we're told in the story that the uh, cupbearer and the baker uh, offend Pharaoh and get put in prison. And they're assigned to Joseph's charge, Joseph, to look after them. And, you know, Joseph wasn't just a Jobsworth. You have Jobsworth at work? I mean, you may be a Jobsworth at work, I don't know. You're just doing what's, what's required, no more. It's not, it's not my, you know, it's more than my job's worth. Do a little bit more than I'm asked. But no, Joseph wasn't like that, because it says... When he came in one morning, the, ba- the, the baker and the cupbearer had a dream and they were sad. Um, and in verse 6, it says, When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the cussing master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? He's alert. He's alert to what's going on. He's, he's doing his job properly, isn't he? He's, he's, he's serving, being a blessing, being concerned for the people around. And they, they tell him a story. And um, Joseph interprets the dreams. And Joseph realizes, hang on a minute, one of these guys, which is the cupbearer, he had a favorable dream. He said, you know, eventually you're going to get out and, and you're going to be reinstated into your job. But in verse uh, 14, only remember me when it is well with you and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed son to the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Suddenly realized, oh, if I get in with this guy, he's going to get me out, out of this prison, and it would be great. But what happened? Anyone know what happened? He forgot him. How long was he then still in prison for after that time? Two years. So two years later, uh, Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer remembers, oh, there's a guy in prison called Joseph, and out he comes. It's interesting, you know, that sort of, yeah, a bit my, like my book that was lost and I remembered it. Um, and then we have, you know, the Elvis song about the fat cows and the thin cows. You remember that one? <laughs> yeah, it's something like that, isn't it? I think I'm singing my Israelites, actually, but it's, it's just kind of a bit like that. So that we have that the thing, and he interprets about the fat cows and thin cows. Um, and then we, we get this um, in verse 37. He tells about to sort it. It says, This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. Do you recognize that statement? You shall be over my house. Whose other houses was he over? Potiphar's and the prison. It's the same job, isn't it? It's the same job. He's learned to do this job in Potiphar's house, in prison, and now in the fulfillment of what God was doing with him over the whole land of Egypt. And if we read on, it says, uh, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. 
And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And, and he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, whatever he called it, and he gave him marriage to Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, Potiphar, sorry, priest of On. So Joseph went out of the land of Egypt. It's interesting that Joseph, with nothing, served with the favor of God, the blessing of God that was upon him, served in Potiphar's house, got into trouble because he was doing what was right, served in the prison, and because of that, he came into what God had got for him, what God had shown him in dreams about people bowing down to him. It wasn't in his kind of, you know, in righteousness. It was, but, but, and, and, and it tells us that this... It, sorry, turn over my notes. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, it, it wasn't just for Joseph. It tells us later on. It wasn't just for him personally. God had got a plan that he was part of. But let me just think about this for a minute. It took 13 years to prepare Joseph for what he got. I don't know whether it could have been quicker, but it probably could have been slower if he hadn't served and used what God had given him for the blessing of others. And it struck me that often in our lives, there seems to be delay. You know, the, 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 the point there for Joseph was that he tried to get out after 11 years, but he was forgotten, had to stay there. God had got a plan, and he was waiting till Joseph was ready. In character, yeah. And I, I've told you about the electric violin I was given a few weeks ago. You know about that, it was great. I bought myself what's called an effects pedal, yeah, which is a box. I, there's no one here with one today, but it's a box. And you press buttons and it makes the sound go, all that kind of, but it makes it go, it makes it nice, it makes it, but I've, I got it in the week and I've had it leaning up against my chest of drawers um, by my bed. So every time I get out of bed, get into bed, I do, all I see on that pedal is one word, which is in the middle of the pedal, delay. Delay. And I've checked this out with Paul, yeah, because I, I thought, the delay on a pedal, it kind of makes the sound a bit fuller. It's a delay, yay, yay, yay. <laughs> no, that's what it does to the sound. It goes delay, yay, yay. And it makes it more beautiful. Yeah? And you use the delay along with whatever else, the reverb or whatever, to make the instrument. You know, you see Rob doing it with his little wow, wow pedal and that kind of stuff. But, but, but it struck me, and I felt this was really important for today. I felt this was important. Delay. Delay seems to come into your lives. You know, God is always on time. God always moves on time, but it, it's not usually our time. Our time's a lot quicker. You know, God may say to us, I want you to just go through the wilderness. Okay, Lord, I've done half a day now. Can I come out? I was thinking 40 days, actually. <laughs> or whatever, you know what I'm saying? He, because what, what the delay pedal does, and, and it's not a perfect analogy, but because, you know, I don't want you to feel that God's causing delay on purpose. Although sometimes he might be. Okay, but he's just leaving us in a place sometimes 
till we change. And, and what delay does in our lives? It brings stuff out of us. You know, it makes our sound beautiful because it reveals to us what's in us. And then we have to go to him and, and get changed, get it changed, don't we? Because we want a beautiful sound. God wants a beautiful sound from our lives. He wants my life to go, Roger, 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 Roger. You know, and the impact, I, I, that wasn't very good, was it? I, no, more, I, I, I can't do it. Yeah, it's easy to do it with delay, yeah, yeah, it? But he wants my life to have a, an echo, almost an echo or an impact beyond me here, doesn't it? It's a, a beautiful sound that comes from me getting my attitudes sorted out. It's attitudes, isn't it? It reveals, delay reveals attitudes in us. It reveals unbelief, which isn't perhaps an attitude I was told by my wife yesterday. Unbelief not an attitude, but it reveals other attitudes, you know. And, and for me in the week, this is, this is uh, some of the things that have been revealed. I had to go back to God. And this is the same with Joseph. Joseph needed to learn to serve, to use the blessing he had, to be prepared to serve the cupbearer and the, and, and the uh, baker or whatever, to, to, to serve, even though, you know, how would you feel if you've been, you know, quite an exalted slave and, and the master's wife's wanted to sleep with you and then you, but you refused because, you, you know, that was wrong? And so you got chucked in prison. I'm sure we were, might have had a little moan, you know, for a year or two. We might have sung the pom-pom song. I've, I've told you about that before, haven't I? Do you remember the pom-pom song? Poor old me, poor old me. Yeah. <laughs> pom-pom song. That's what we sing, isn't it? We sing the, you know, we go down the garden to eat worms, don't we? <laughs> Big ones, juicy ones. That's how we, but God doesn't want us to be like, we need to receive things as of him, don't we? And keep the right attitude. So in delay, he wants to change us, doesn't he? We, and we need to learn to trust him. That God will come through. God is not late on his promises. If God has said it, he will do it. If God has given a dream, he will, he will fulfill fill it in your life, but it might take a while. You know, I was thinking, this week I've been working, you know, I didn't set out to be a hot dog man when I set out in my life. I was going to do something completely different, but I've spent 16 years as a hot dog man and 16 years in the office of the hot dog company, not particularly enjoying myself, 32 years. You know, I have to, you know, keep going, keep believing, keep trusting that God will bring to pass what he had for my life. Because I do believe God has a plan for our lives. I do believe he has a plan for our lives. And as we trust him and, uh, you know, take one step. I was reading Francis Chan uh, recently. He was saying that, he was saying, you know, don't seek the big plan for your life. Just find out what's the next step. Because God doesn't show you necessarily. Sometimes he does give you a dream and you see it. Maybe, you know, and then you have maybe a, a while where it's just the next step. What's the next step? And sometimes, you know, you don't actually need the next step. I don't need the next step until my foot's there. And sometimes it feels like, well, this foot's going, Lord. Where, where's the ground? Oh, there it is. And, you know, and sometimes it, because he wants us to trust him. And he wants to sort our attitudes out. He wants to make our lives beautiful. And we don't necessarily understand why is God delaying? A bit like Martha and Mary, isn't it? Lord, if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. You know, that's a bit of a slap, Jesus. I'm slapping you as much as one dare with the Son of God. You know, you've blown it there, really. You came too late. But no, Jesus didn't come too late. He, he, his view was the glory of God. He wanted them to see a miracle. And, I'm, you know, we have to be careful getting the theology just from one story. But the, he definitely delayed there. 
he heard about it and he, and he stayed where it was for two days. And he said, it's, he, he was glad he did because they, he was bringing glory. Because he came at the right time and he raised Lazarus from the dead. And people saw his glory. And that's hard to understand necessarily. But that's what the, the word says. So when there seems to be a delay, when we're doing what's right and nothing's changing, what do we do? Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. I can't repeat what, Frank, uh, what Sir Winston Churchill would say, but keep on keeping on. And trust God because he will come through. He will come through. What he said he will do, he will do. But he will do it when he's ready and at his time. And we need to keep our attitudes in check. There's three points there and they all start with a letter. Not the same letter, but they start with a letter. (laughs) So keep on keeping on. Trust God and keep your attitudes in check. Because as I've said, in Joseph's case, he was being prepared for what God had for him, but not just for himself. In Genesis 45.5 it says, God sent me before you to preserve life. And in verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. There was a sense that God sent Joseph on ahead of, uh, the, of Israel, basically. Israel was just a very small tribe then, wasn't it, with Jacob, and who was called Israel by then. And the, they, they were in famine, and they needed for the next stage to go into Egypt. And that's, Joseph was sent there. And being, being you know, in charge, that was, that was part of it. Our lives are for more than just ourselves. God is not just looking for a comfy life for you. He's not looking for a comfy life for you at all. He's looking for you, your life to count, but also to save others through your life. To save, to save your family, to save your friends, to save your neighbours, to save, save your town, to save your country, whatever. He's looking for more, um, for more to do more through you than, than you can ask or imagine. And, yeah, he's equipping us. I believe he's equipping us to make an impact on those around by, through serving them with what we have, the things he's given us, using the things. In, jo- in Joseph's case, it was, it was his favor, it was his blessing, and in our case, it will be the same. But he's actually given us, you know, things, tangible things. He's made us in a certain way. And as we give ourselves to him, remember I started off saying that, that as we give ourselves to him, um, we're like the little boy's lunch. We'll, we'll serve, we'll feed much, many more people, sorry, English is, um, English is my second language this morning. I don't know what is my first language, but it's, it's not English this morning. We're all made a certain way, differently. We're one of his 57 varieties. Okay, I don't know what you are, I might be beans. You know, I like beans. Not so much these days because they've tarted around and taken out the sugar and the salt. Don't taste as nice as it used to, but there we go. Um, I don't know what variety, but whatever variety you are, you are made that way for a purpose because he's got plans for your life and as you give yourself to him, he will start to lead you on that path. So, we need to be glad for who we are and how he's made us. It takes faith. Well, it takes faith for me to be glad how I am. Maybe you're fine. It takes faith for me to be glad, to be comfortable in my own skin. You know, I'm not like other people around me, and that's good. 
And I believe we need to ask God to show us. I'm, I'm winding up now, so this is why I'm repeating myself. I believe we need to ask God to show us who we are, what he's given us, but what's in our hands. A bit like Moses and the staff, what's in your hand? He threw down the staff and it became a snake and it was with him the rest of his life. But what has he given us? And we need to remember there's no little people. Just people are given to God that he'll use and people that aren't given to God which he won't use. Simples. Isn't it really? But we want to be people who give ourselves to God, who consecrate our lives and what we have to him. That say, here's my five loaves, two fish. What is that for so many? But if I give it to you, you will use it to feed them. So give yourself and all you have to him and serve those around you. Keep believing, trusting him. Keep your attitudes right. And he will do wonders. As I've said, your life is for more than yourself. So I'm going to finish there, but I want to pray. I want to pray. Maybe we should stand? Perhaps we could stand, yeah. There's two kinds of people I want to pray for. Well, I want to pray for you all. But there's two things I feel we need to respond to. Um, I want to pray for those who feel they're too small. Haven't got enough. Not enough. Little fish in big pond. Too little. And if that's you, just respond. I don't want you to put your hand up for that. Just respond on your heart now. And I, I, Lord, I pray for everybody who feels that they're too small, that they're too little. Help them to see even though there are little fish, that God will use them for great things if they give themselves to you. So I speak against the lie of the enemy that says you're too small, that says you're not valuable, that says you're insignificant. I speak against that. That's a lie from the pit. And I say you're the, the workmanship of God. You're his poem, made for great things. That if you give yourself to him, he will lead you in his ways. And I want to pray for those who have given up because of delay. I, you know, I've been doing it for so long. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've just given up. Because it, it doesn't work. I've served, I've given, I've worshipped, I've thanked, praised, like Susie said this morning, and it's just not worked. Delay pedals on. It's time to rise up. He forgives you. He says, yeah, but rise up. Start again. Start again. Start again. Pick up those things that you once did. Pick up those things you once did. Father, I just pray for people who've given up for whatever reason. It's so easy. We know it's so easy to give up. Lord, help them to see that you love them, that you're, that you're with them, that your favor's upon them, and as they just stand up again, rise to their feet again, as they shake off the dust, that they can start again. And where there's been delay, there still might be delay. But at the right time, you will bring them out of prison and put them in the second chariot of Pharaoh's, as it were. You will exalt them at the right time for what you've got for them. But you're working in their lives 
to make them more like Jesus, to make their sounds sweet. And Father, I pray for all of us. You'd show us how you've made us and what you've given us. We give ourselves to you again and say, all that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Give us the grace, Lord, to persevere in doing what is right, in using what we have to serve those around us. And Lord, we choose to believe that you will use each one of us for your glory as we commit ourselves and all we have to you. We're going to sing that song, uh, The Goodness of God. And it's got that refrain about, all my days, you have been faithful. All my days, you have been so, so good. I can't remember all the words would say, but let's sing that in response to God saying, you have been so good, you have been so faithful. Even when I couldn't see it, I'm going to say that you were good to me, that you were faithful to me, and you always will be. And let's respond and give ourselves back to him so that we can walk in uh, all that he's got for us, so that we can come into, uh, you know, being second, whatever it is, whatever his plan for us is, knowing that there's no small people because we're not small people. We're people given to God who will do exploits. In Jesus' name.